Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Getting It Out Podcast. This is episode 209, and the song you just heard was from author and Punisher. It was called Blacksmith, and it's off of the new album, Crueler, which just came out on Relapse Records back on February 11th, so about a week ago from when I'm recording this. And uh, I got to tell you, I listened to that whole record, and I enjoyed it. Uh, immensely. I've come a long way with Author and Punisher. I got an Author and Punisher Women and Children's LP um, on my in my shelf over there and I didn't initially like this 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 project a whole lot and uh, over the years I've grown to like it a lot. Tristan Schoen, the man behind it, the mach- man behind the machines that make the music in Author and Punisher has certainly evolved and the sounds have evolved and it's become a very cool thing and it's not something I thought I liked at one point and now I'm like hey man, I like that. Speaking of, hey man, I like that. I like ice cream. Anyway, on this episode of the podcast, I've got an interview with every single member of Blood Incantation. Thankfully, there's only four, but I talked to all of them. You hear some more than others, but they're all here. We're going to talk about their new record, Time Wave Zero, coming out on Century Media February 25th. And uh, you might not be ready for it. Why? I guess you'll find out. Check it! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! These two my family make friends till they bury me. All the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Why you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We'll be getting it in! Why you getting it out? Hello, 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 hello. Well, it's good to be back. I unfortunately need to break the news to all of you that I am now better than you, officially. Yeah, it's an official thing. I am now a world traveler. That's right. I went over to Italy for a few days, make it a week, let's say, and uh, Milan to be exact, to see where my wife grew up. And it was a great time. And unfortunately, I'm back in America now. And uh, I, I mostly wish I weren't. Though it is good to be home. Uh, There was a lot of things I liked about Italy. One of which was that I didn't hear, like I barely heard any English unless somebody was speaking to me and that was rare too. Um, And it was so nice to not hear what other people were saying for about a week. Even when I sat in a room full of people speaking Italian and I was the only one in there who couldn't understand it, it wasn't bad. I did it for hours one night. And... uh, It was kind of nice. I didn't pick up on anybody's small talk. I didn't hear anybody complaining about nothing for a week. It was beautiful. Uh, And then as soon as we got back to the United States, I started hearing it again. We're in line at the uh, customs or whatever the hell it's called, where they were looking at our passports. You know, people were complaining right away and it realized, uh, I got to listen to these fucking people again. So whatever, that's the bad part about being back. Um, Also, work is coming right around the bend. But you know, Anyway, back to the good things. <laughs> good things. Italy. Italy was great. I went to see the Duomo, which is this like 4,000-year-old cathedral. Uh, transparency, I don't, I don't know the real date. It's, it's old, right? It's old. It's, I'm probably not that far off in that estimation. And for some reason, they let you climb it. They let you go onto the roof. I don't know what the hell they're thinking, but we did it, and it was a little bit sketchy. It was totally safe, right? But it was it was totally sketchy too. Climbing a staircase that high 
on top of a 4,000-year-old cathedral to say, take some pictures. And believe me, I did because it was it was crazy. It was cool. That, that fucking that cathedral has something like 3,600 carving statues on it, which is insane. Um, anyway, it's a very cool-looking thing. It's a nice little square there. It's the center of Milan. Went up there, took some photos, looked at the sights, and uh, did, did a lot of cool sightseeing in the area. Went to a castle. Of course, I stormed that and uh, won. What did I win? I don't know. None of your business. Why do you ask so many questions? It was nice. There was a moat. It was dry. Don't worry. I didn't fall in. I could swim if I did. It wasn't a big concern. No alligators because alligators apparently don't live there, which makes sense. Uh, you know. But the weather was a lot nicer than here. It was gray. But but that could have been a little uh, confusing because Milan, I'm told, I was told, is the most polluted city in Europe. So maybe that was just the pollution, but it was gray. There was a couple of days where there was sunshine, there was no rain, and so we left. A little snow even on the way to the airport, which uh, was okay because it was near the Alps. But apparently if Milan gets a little bit of snow, they shut down. They're like Atlanta. They can't handle it. Uh, which is uh, interesting, and it's always funny to be from uh, the mid-Atlantic here and hear people complain about snow, like myself. I hate it. I think we should shut down anytime there is a flake, so I'm with Italy on that. I didn't mind one bit. Um, Things that I was surprised about Italy. Uh, Number one, they love smoking. Everybody smokes. The whole place smokes. If you were like, hey, how how are big tobacco still in business? Italy. That's how. They're all smokers. Um, which is crazy to me. We were at a we had a soccer game at San Siro, the stadium where Inter Milan and AC Milan play. We were there for an AC Milan match, and there were people just smoking in the stands. My wife was like covered in smoke the entire time because she had a vapor and a smoker right in front of her, and they just kind of alternated the whole time. And then somebody to the right would light up a clove or something. They smoke all sorts of things, and they do it constantly. The other thing that was disappointing about uh, Italy was that they they really frown on taking uh, poops in public. Now, I don't mean like out in the open, like Baltimore. You know, they're fine with that down there. But what I'm saying is uh, they they mean like you can't go to the bathroom. If you got to go to the bathroom, it better be just to pee. And to make sure of that, they've removed the toilet seats. They found this in in a museum. In a museum. They took away the toilet seats. And uh, there's a little flusher button on the floor you could hit, which was actually kind of nice. I like that. You do it with your shoe. Um, and, and the bathroom at the soccer stadium. Not only did they take away the toilet seat. They took away the toilet seat. They took away the toilet paper. There is no flusher. Okay, how does that work? I don't know. It's just a hole, I guess. They just use gravity. And uh, and also, no hand soap. You got some cold water you can wash your hands with, and that's it. And, you know, it makes me wonder, like, no wonder fucking COVID loved it over there and went crazy. Come on, guys. You can put some hand soap out there in these times. Anyway, apparently that stadium is going to be torn down in a little bit, so that makes sense. It was wildly out of date. But it was still a really cool experience, and I'm very thankful I got to go. Because truth be told, I never thought I would ever leave this country. And that is not like an exaggeration. That's not me embellishing. That's not hyperbole. I I didn't think I would ever leave this country at all for any reason or would ever have the opportunity to. So it was great to finally do that. Um, And kind of funny that I regularly talk to people from other countries and uh, interview people that tour all the time. My wife, of course, like I said, is from 
Italy. So I don't know why I always thought it was such an outside chance that I would ever leave the United States. It was kind of ridiculous, but I did. I finally did. So I can't say that anymore, which is great. This was also my first experience with jet lag, which was weird. You know, I it's just tiredness, right? But it's strange. I don't know how to how to put it into uh, better words, but that's that's the way it was. It was weird. I get it now. Um, I think Italians are way more polite than Americans. Now you could tell me, Dan, you don't know that. You couldn't understand them. Yeah, that's right. But uh, I don't know. I thought they were pretty nice. And uh, and I, I always heard the opposite. I always heard they were more rude. Maybe I'm thinking of the French. But uh, I've always heard they were kind of nasty people when they aren't. I liked them. They were very polite to me. So I was as polite to them as I could be. Um, COVID, you know, the, people don't know. If you don't know, specifically in Milan, uh, COVID hit really hard early on in the pandemic. And we were privy to that because of our family members over there. Um, but but it was it was really interesting to see how serious they take it. The day we were there, or like the second day we were there, they lifted their outdoor mask ban on February 11th. They, they said you can take your masks off outdoors. And still people kept some on. Uh, but eventually, you know, we saw it open up a little bit. Saw a few more faces, which is unfortunate. I like the covered faces. I want to keep mine out, but I don't want to see all the other ones. Um, but they uh, they did lift that. But in order to go into anywhere, pretty much anywhere, you needed to present your green pass. Now, of course, because I'm not European, I don't have a green pass, but I do have vaccination cards. And I'm real glad that I got that third shot. I didn't want to do it. I, I said I was done with shots. I'm not doing this shit anymore because it just makes me sick. That's a whole different conversation, right? But uh, I'm glad I did because you can't do shit without it. All right? They're going to check you at the door. They checked me at the door of a McDonald's. Let me see your uh, your green pass. We just wanted to go in there because my wife wanted to show me that you can get beer at McDonald's. So we went and looked at the menu and left. Needed to show vaccination records to do that. Uh, don't worry, I did go back and get a beer at McDonald's because I had to. It was like I couldn't leave there without doing it. It was necessary. And it was a nice day, so I sat outside with some McDonald's and some weird <laughs> McDonald's menu items. Weird to us, right? Different stuff. I'm glad I got to go. I had a very good time. And now I'm going to talk to you about this podcast. <laughs> this podcast, as I mentioned in the intro is with Blood Incantation, every single member, which I did not know was going to be the case until we got on the Zoom and they kept popping up. There was one, I started talking to that guy, and then I saw another guy, and then another name, and then another name, and there was four of them. And that totally threw me off, I got to admit. Usually when I prepare for these things, it's like, all right, I expect to be talking to one guy, and I usually try to hone in uh, my questions specifically for that one guy. So when there's extra people... It throws me for a loop, so I was a little off my game on this one, but don't worry, they talked plenty, and uh, we were able to get a good conversation in. I heard there's some some beef right now with Blood Incantation. I don't know exactly what the problem is, um, but I did see that there was some, uh, some headlines made about some comments. I don't know, maybe they make those comments in this interview because I don't read other people's shit, so I don't know what they did that was so bad. Maybe I'm going to make it worse by publishing this episode of the podcast. And you know what? That's fine with me. There's no such thing as bad press, right? All right, so let's get into this episode. Let's get into this interview, I should say. I'm going to play you a track from Blood Incantation, but I'm not going to play you a new one, Time Wave Zero. I'm going to play you one from Star Spawn. This, of course, was their first record on Dark Descent. It came out a few years ago, and it was recently reissued. 
I actually got my copy through Gimme Metal Vinyl Club, which if you haven't subscribed to that, and if you aren't a member, I suggest you go do that. It's a very cool way to get records, you know, just random ass metal records, one a month. Uh, I suggest, I highly suggest it. That's a plug. That's an un, unpaid for advertisement. All right. Nobody's telling me to tell you that. I'm just telling you that right now. You should get involved with Gimme Metal's Vinyl Club. But anyway, I'm going to play you Chaoplasm from that record. And then I'm going to let you listen to my chat with the boys.
So it's actually it's actually today's uh, one my daughter's fifteen year old fifteen year old birthday, and which Happy made birthday. yeah, which made me want to ask you guys, what were you into at fifteen years old? Oh man, um, heavy metal, dude. Heavy metal, Iron Maiden, Metallica. <laughs> About this record when I was 15 years old, candlelight. Oh wow! Left over dead stock from the end <laughs> records for 14 dollars because that's how popular OG black metal vinyl was when I was 15. How much? How much can you sell that one for now? Several hundred dollars. 800 bucks. <laughs> Probably like three or four. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's um, like it's like 300 bucks. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Yeah, I don't think I was into anything. Well, I mean, I still like the things I liked when I was 15 for good or bad you know so uh so it's, it's funny to, to watch your, your own kids and wonder if that's going to be the case but we'll find out i guess yeah all right so i mean uh, uh yeah okay. i'm I, I when i'm not when i'm not uh playing music i used to be a, a substitute teacher at high schools so i know all about the uh, the wrangling of the fifteen year olds they're 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 an interesting group that's for sure. <laughs> well, I've I've been told it's better than the uh, the middle schoolers, but we got through that one. So we got, we got another one going through there. So whatever. Oh, it, it is it is much better than the middle schoolers. Yeah, if you made it through that, then it's it's better. It's all better now. So <laughs> well, there's an eight year old too. So we'll see. You know, you got the whole gamut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Um, Again, I wasn't cool. expecting all four of you, so um, but I'm glad you're all here. And I've been listening to Time Wave Zero now. I don't know when it first came across. I don't know when that promo first went out, but it's been a. I've had it for at least a week, I think. And I was listening to it earlier today. And I listened to it for a couple hours the other day, and it just kind of had it on loop the whole time because I work right here. I mean, I'm mid work day right now myself. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really cool is that I just let the record play and i kind of didn't even notice it was playing but i mean that in a good way that's true ambient (laughs) you you can ignore it or you can listen to it and if you listen to it it unfolds in an interesting way but if you just let it happen it's just it's it's furniture music right and and but i'm saying it even like you know the way the promo comes across it'll it'll loop if you don't touch anything so the record just looped for hours yeah, it's, it, was, it was nice. It was kind of pleasant. But today, listening to it, I, I, re, I turned it, I put on headphones and I turned it up and uh, I heard a lot more. Yeah, headphones are definitely the way. Headphones and then if you have a surround system. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. That's, that's, that's basically what I thought. But before we get all the way into Time Wave Zero, um, Blood Incantation, you guys started, what, 2011-ish? Somewhere around there? And you've been doing this now for, I don't know how many years that is, 11, I guess. And uh, two full lengths, one EP, a split. I don't know. What else is in there? Got a live record, a self-released live LP called Live Vitrification, and then some demo tapes, rehearsal tapes, and one promo tape. One actual promo demo tape, two rehearsal tapes that people on the internet try to claim are demos, but they're literally just rehearsals that we made to be like, what does this sound like if we all play this at the same time? How does that stuff get out there for other people to have? Uh, it was just made to find a bass player, really. really. We, we made the rehearsals to share to people. We sent them to people, you know, tape trading network and, and buddies were friends with another bands to be like, hey, this is our new idea we're going on. And like Morris said, maybe in 2011, 12, 13, there was, there was nobody into that in, in Denver. And so we were like, maybe we can make a tape and someone will, will find it and be like, oh, this band needs a bass player. Uh, I can play bass. But in 
the years that transpired, it was just our bandmate and our other band, Jeff, who came over and then played bass because there was nobody into that. And we had been trying to get Jeff to play bass for a bit, but he didn't have a fretless bass at the time. And on the demo, Interdimensional Extinction, that was recorded in 2013, but not released until the end of 2015. Uh, Damon Good from Stargazer and Morphal Congregation played fretless bass, uh, which was like one of the original concepts for the band. So we were adamant that it had to be and be fretless and then incidentally jeff got a fretless bass for our other band Spectre voice and we even more were like come on come over here you know what i mean he did he eventually did nice well that's i mean i i understand what you're saying about now about the trying to find someone specifically to play fretless bass because as i understand it and from my perspective especially denver there seems to be absolutely no shortage of uh, good qualified metal musicians out there. I've talked to so many people from all the bands in Denver, uh, whether it's Ethan, Ben, Ethan McCarthy, Ben from Ben and Phil from Chemists or uh, Grant from In the Company of Serpents. It's just the the scene out there seems so strong. And uh, like, like the in my opinion, like the premier metal scene in the country right now. Um, so it's interesting that you still had to search for somebody to join you. Well, and, and the interesting thing, be popular bands, you know. Yeah, the the interesting thing about that is that the the interesting thing about that is like I'm from Colorado. Um, I'm actually the only one in the band that's from Colorado, and Colorado was actually a dismal place to be a metalhead back in the 2000s. Um, there were literally like no tours would hit Denver. It was always like out of the way. Yeah. Um, it was, it, I was the only kid in my, my high school that actually liked extreme metal. Like it was not, not what it is today. And, you know, over the last 15 years, you know, there's been an influx of people moving in. Of course, now, like my fellow members of Blooding Condition, they moved here before, weed became legal but you know in a way we kind of jokingly it's like you know if you were before weed was legal you're an actual person from colorado (laughs) yeah so like you know when we were starting our band and trying to find a fretless basis there were not all these people (laughs) like yeah certainly weren't it was impossible to find it was a whole different world our music (laughs) that's why all of our bands you know, there's a couple different crews in the in the Denver scene, and in general, um, each crew has like two to five bands among yeah, them. Yeah, you know? And then between those larger crews, there's often overlap. You know what I mean? Band like Black Curse being a perfect example. It's got members of Chemist, Primitive Man, and uh, Spectre Voice, and uh, you know, we all had to make bands with each other in them because nobody would do it. Denver was not cool. It was like also, part of the reason, you know, when, when I moved here, Jeff and I moved here in 2011. I think Morris moved here in 2009 or then. 2008. Eight, yeah. And uh, Eli from Spectre Voice moved here in, I think, 2007. And uh, there was nothing going on, man. That was, like, part of the appeals, that nobody bothered you. There's no traffic. There's warehouse venues on, in every neighborhood. Rent is cheap. Food is cheap. Parking is everywhere. Uh, it was totally sick. And it didn't really matter that there was no infrastructure for, like, public transportation 
or um, anything like that because it was it was kind of like a cow town and it was kind of cool that way because you were able to just do whatever you could just get a warehouse uh, in North Denver for eight hundred bucks a month have four or three shows you know what I mean a month and then have ten people living there and you could have an art collective there was a whole bunch of that back then and yeah. there was no, uh, you know cool metal scene at all there was like maybe like Isaac said like six or eight bands when we moved here and so I can imagine it was even more dire before those bands. Well, that's what I, I've heard said before, is that uh, legal weed had a lot to do with, uh, with what the scene looks like now. Not saying it didn't exist before, but it, but it influenced the way it is now. Again, I, I only it influenced. Here. Yeah, it influenced like it influenced the state and, and the Denver area specifically in so many ways just beyond the metal scene. But the metal scene is obviously like what we're a part of. And that's like the biggest change is like you can see a, a, a change in just the audience attending when lead when weed was not legal yet, you would be happy if there were like 30 or 40 people going to your show you would also know all of them and you would know all, but after weed was legalized like within a couple of years you have sold out 200 people shows almost no matter what band it is like it's pretty crazy like the change that happened and so like when i was growing up there were like literally nobody else there was nobody else that wanted to play the kind of music that i wanted to play so when i finally met these guys I, you know especially paul in 2011 but everybody else too it was like uh oh my god you are actually into the same stuff there's nobody else here doing this so let's do it you know I had that same mentality because I'm from a small town in Salem, Oregon, and me and my friends did the same thing we do out here where the same, you know, three to eight people make the 20 bands. And uh, when Isaac and I met, it was definitely like, thank God, you know, not only are you uh, actually into the the sick real shit, but you've got the ambition to try to do it. You know, that's the hardest thing because it's a lot of people that's just enough for them to enjoy the music, which is totally fine. Uh, personally, I've always been inclined to really participate and try to make an impact and a change on on the music that I think is cool. Mm-hmm. And finding people like these guys who are adamant about hitting it, making it happen, getting it done, doing the dirt, and really making an impact. That's that's even more rare than finding somebody 10 years ago in Denver who wanted to play crazy death metal. Right, right. Well, the the uh, the, the idea from Blood and Can- for Blood Incantation, who did it start with? Which one of you was was the guy who thought this is what I want to do with this band and I got to find people to get it together. Technically. So the first two songs I had actually written while I still lived in Oregon and was not able to find people to play. And the, the name actually was a different band that I was doing. That was like an improv Illuminati style grind project. That was just kind of like Anunnaki psychedelic just for fun. But I was really taken by this concept of, of the blood incantation of this like, you know, mystical synergistic type of, uh, merging between the micro and the macro and the occultism and the esotericism, the metaphysics and the philosophy, the whole, you know, the BI concept in, in micro. And when Isaac and I met, uh, he was like, that's the exact shit that I'm into. I like crowd rock. I like magma. I like psychedelics. I like fucking gore guts. Let's get this done. And then from there, I think we took us, uh, we wrote another song or two. And then when we met Morris in 2012 was when it was finally possible to actually arrange the uh the music because at the time isaac and i actually jammed with three guitars sometimes trying because we were really trying to just make it as crazy as possible and it was impossible to make our music uh without two guitars even you know Mm -hmm. and back then 
you know, we played shows all through 2013 and 14 without a bass player. We recorded our demo without a bass player, and we eventually stopped because, you know, the music, intricate, heavy music has to have bass. It has to have low end. It has to have interesting rhythm and hold it down. And uh, you just cannot do that. You know, I personally hate seeing bands, especially get little bands play without bass, scratching nuts. And uh, so when, you know, we knew Jeff from our other bands at the time, and it was just all, the whole concept is like, you can't just join Blood and Condition because you're a dude from Denver and you like metal. That's not at all ever what it could have been. You know what I mean? And so we tried with some other people, we jammed with some people, but the concept is the band, if that makes sense. So, yeah you have to be as all four of these people are just on that tip to be able to even participate in it it's not because it's like exceedingly hard or technical or whatnot it's the concept which is the most you have to be a certain type of person have a certain type of approach ambition artistic uh, appreciation certain type of introspective sensitivity you have to have this certain type of slant in your personality to to be in the band and so that was even harder than because the band came out full formed as the concept. It was like, you know, it's going to be the triumvirate of classic Morbid Angel Death, Disincarnate Gorguts style, etc. Mixed with the the mystical eccentricity of Stargazer, later Gorguts, like At the Aflame, weird stuff like that. And then, you know, we have heavy metal riffs, we have speed metal riffs, we have black metal riffs, we have funeral doom riffs, we have ambient parts, we have psychedelic parts, we got Pink Floyd parts, and it's all been that way since day one. Right. Uh, and, and when we finally got the full lineup, um, it's been the same four guys since 2015, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an it's, increasingly rare thing these days, I feel like. Yeah. Well, Jeff, what, to, what was, what was, what was, uh, what finally convinced you to join? It sounds like uh, it took a little coaxing. Uh, honestly, it took uh, leaving another band that I was in that was not going the way that we hoped it to it was kind of like leaving behind some other stuff and also just honing my skills like i hadn't played fretless bass really so it was kind of relearning the instrument a little bit and uh experimenting trying to get a sound that fit the band so because i definitely can't replicate what damon does he's an insane player and he's been pretty close playing for a long time and uh like you nailed that so just trying to trying to get that sound dialed in, you know, so. Well, it seems like you figured it out. It seems like you got there, um, yeah. from what I can tell. He did. He holds it down. And I think one thing, difference in bass presence, um, as far as the performance, not the production, between Star Spawn and Hidden History, I think is really awesome. Because it's just Jeff getting even more comfortable, more competent with the sound and filling it in and taking more risks. And uh, that happens also in our other band, Spectre Voice. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I think you can hear because fretless is like a hundred times harder than regular bass. You know what I mean? There's no two ways around it. Why is that? I, I'm, I'm not I'm the farthest thing from a musician. Like, I only ever sang for a band. No frets, man. Yeah. You have to, like on a guitar, there's, let's say, all the frets. And sure. you put your finger yeah. in between them and that holds down the note. The point of contact is the note. Mm-hmm. On a fretless bass, it's like a violin or a cello. And where your finger is, is the note. There's gotcha. no guidance for you to be like, oh, I can just go open one, five, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to, you are the fret. And so every single note you play is either exactly right or totally <laughs> wrong. Every single note. Sounds like a lot of pressure. It's a lot well, of pressure. The frequency range is a lot higher. Yeah, Barrett, Jay Barrett, Timer Jay over here. He's fucking ripping it up on the fretless bass, you know? So. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Well, so I, I've I've seen reference that you always intended to make a record like Time Wave Zero when you started Blood right. Incantation. Uh, but it still seems like it's it's caught the idea of it because I guess a lot of people haven't heard it yet. But the idea of it seems to have caught a lot of people off guard. But from what I also see, people that like Blood Incantation are totally on board for what you're going to, what you're going to give them. So tell me about the idea of Time Wave Zero. Simple as uh, when we started the band, Isaac and I were being like, all right, it's going to be this kind of mystical 1993, really eccentric shit. And, uh, you know, it's going to go green logo, morbid style for the second record. And uh, then third record, ambient. And then, like, day one, before we'd even jammed, Isaac and I were both like, okay, that simple. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the ambient album elements have been increasing over time since the very beginning. I mean, even our first promo tape has analog synth on it. Um, so it's, you know, it's always been there. It's always been something that we wanted to do. And our mutual... Um, interest in progressive music specifically prog rock of the 70s kraut rock and especially like progressive electronic music like tangerine dream and klaus schultz stuff like that has always been uh, a mutual shared interest between all of the members of the band and so we've always tried to integrate all those things into our music so that being said death metal obviously was our kind of template that we had our most of our music based on that's what most people know us as as a death metal band but we've increasingly uh amplified those other non-metal aspects especially on the last record in our song awakening from the dream of existence uh that track has about 90 seconds of just pure analog synth ambient music that we recorded in the studio all together and that one was that was the first time it was in the song like the riff itself comes out of the sequence like the sequencer part and the guitar part are written to be the same and before all the ambient stuff was always leading into a track or after a track more concentrated on an instrumental which we have instrumental tracks on both of our albums and even the first thing we ever recorded in a studio on our demo in 2013 is a singing bowl in an analog synthesizer building up to the first track so we've really slowly gotten people ready for the idea you know in addition to talking about in the interviews for several years uh playing ambient stuff before we set up on stage to kind of change the vibe of the night uh from a bunch of you know whatever music being played on the pa in between 50 bands right and uh you know we've been guiding people towards this inevitable synthesis of both of the sides of what makes blood incantation uh, a, a interesting band in our opinion is because there's already every band is more brutal. Every band is more cult. Every band is more old school. Every band is more technical. Yada, 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 yada. We know, man. We know. We've never tried to be competing on that level. We want to make the music that we want to hear, which is to say, we want, you know, more of an angel in space, kind of like Mithras does, but also mixed with like the mystical um, stargazer like Kathy Flame, this band Superation Isaac showed us really early on. Um, band absorbed from spain even early amorphous you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh, like septic black metal bands heavy metal bands funeral doom bands you know we have never shied from just being like all right here's a death part into a morpho congregation part played with an 80s speed metal riff and then we're going to go into the morbid angel part we're going to drop it back down and we're going to make some weird psychedelic trance freak out part and then it's going to go clean guitar 
and then we're going to keep it going. You know what I mean? We've always just that spastic style of writing um, that we, we just really like that, you know, it makes it really interesting. People who are, who are interested in just four on the floor, verse chorus, straight rock music, death metal, totally fine that, you know, they, they hate our band, but our band was never trying to appeal to them. So the people who do like it, like you said, the time wave or the, the response from the people who do like it, like for time wave has been overwhelming, like insane. We've, we've sold, more records on pre-order for time wave uh without anybody ever hearing it than we did for our our popular albums when it had already been streamed you know what i'm saying it took months for it to sell as many copies as time wave already has we've uh you know it's uh because it's instrumental it can reach more people and so yeah. some people are like that's more uh that's like a, a a trendy thing or like a mainstream thing or some type of cop-out thing but it's like not really man for a, a death metal band who made uh, more than one record that broke the internet and has been on magazine covers and sold you know thirty thousand copies, physical units um, worldwide and all that stuff, just for one record uh, to do an ambient record is the opposite of a mainstream or popular minded thing. It's it's even more extreme than if we were to put out a death metal record right now because we just yeah. It's I mean honestly, it's, it sounds when without without any context it sounds like a terrible idea it sounds yeah. like it sounds like a way to alienate your fans immediately and get and it. lose them you get the right. idea that bi is not four on the floor verse chorus pop death metal you know they're right. like this band is for freaks like me made by freaks like them you know and uh, the guys who get it the girls who get it the they thems who get it, everyone who's down uh if they understand that our band is exploring something that everyone can take a part of that we are kind of participating in as these navigators, but that the whole, uh, we, you know, I, I like this phrase, the 1970s. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just contemplate those years and the and the demographics of music that arose during seventy three to ninety. You just think about how amazing that shit is, and there's still a lot of unplowed soil from that stuff that people might think is seemingly disparate or whatnot and alienating to itself. But to be fair, a lot of these guys out there who might be like, "Oh, Blood Incantation's putting out an ambient record. That's stupid." It's like, well, do you know that Klaus Schultz or Conrad uh, Schnitzler from Tangerine Dream and Cluster? made the intro to Mayhem's Death Crush in 1987. And did you know that your god, Euronymous, punished Conrad Schnitzler by waiting outside of his house for hours on a train trip through Germany back in the 80s to be like, please give me a recording. I please need a tape. I need to give me anything from my band. 
And it's like, why would this, this icon of cult metal be fascinated, fixatedly obsessed with this Krautrock experimental musician? Maybe because in this continuum, there is a, there's a synthesis that is dabbled in by some of these guys and, you know, people like Mortise and, and, you know, all these guys that make European electronic music mixed with extreme metal, Dot Arms Guard, Bedwins, and all these crazy bands. Uh, why, why did they do that? And it's because of the importance of crowd rock and 70s progressive rock being more than ponytail dad rock for stoners. You know what I'm saying? It's like really a revolutionary uh, musical landscape that similar to death metal or, or ambient as a term is, you know, you, you just like old death metal bands in 1971 to 73, every crowd rock band sounded differently. And even the term crowd rock was a pejorative labeled by Snide uh, right. as being like, oh, Look at these silly Germans. How novel of them to presume they could make anything that wasn't Western influenced. How dare they? And then it goes in reverse, ends up directly influencing all these British bands like people like David Bowie and Brian Eno who go to Germany specifically to record with these Krautrock bands in the 70s. And then these records that they make there end up, you know, bands like Kraftwerk and Tangerine Dream uh, invent electronic music, invent techno, invent this synthesis that takes over the pop music of the entire world. It's a revolution of sound, totally contingent on these fucking psycho German 70s people and these European dudes making prog rock in the 70s. It's influenced every aspect of society. Death metal is no different. Extreme metal is no different. And we are just simply just being like, hey, not only do we notice this, we would like you guys to notice this too. Check this out. We're going to put it all on a little plate for you. It's called Time Wave Zero. comes out on 25th. Well, that's very cool and very well said too. Did you Have you found, because I, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious, but have you found that the uh, that Europeans are much more open to all of this than, than American death metal fans? I don't know. We were actually just talking about this in the, in the last interview. And for Timewave, it's yet it's yet to see. Like our our, sure. our worldwide label for this release is based in Germany, and uh, so a lot of the press stuff we're getting are for European magazines. But a lot of them uh, are for metal people, but a lot of them are for uh, mainstream normal press. You know, and in America wow. we've we've dabbled in that a little bit. We've gotten some Pitchfork and stuff like that in there, but uh, we're getting a lot bigger ones right now again because it's instrumental and it can go a little further than than blast beats and gutturals but uh, yeah it, i i'm personally interested to see how the european market does respond to it because even though metal is bigger in europe and it's a larger part of the infrastructure and whatnot and than it is in the states the synthesis of the two that is not uh I don't know, like European fest metal, you know, like techno right. folk metal or whatever it is. <laughs> it's, you know, that is obviously hugely popular there. But as far as like 70s electronic music, progressive electronic music, crowd rock, uh, all that stuff, we'll see. All right. This is uh, the first release for Century Media, right? First worldwide. Yeah, first worldwide. First worldwide. They did, our, they did Hidden History uh, outside of North America and Dark Descent did North America. And then we are kind of, we wet the waters with them with uh, the back catalog licensing for our first two records, which was also outside of North America, Dark yeah. Descent's doing in North America. And so Time Wave's the first one where it's Century Worldwide. And we went with that because being owned by Sony, they're way more able to get into film scoring, soundtrack work, sound hmm. design stuff. And that's explicitly where we're trying to go. Like we want to be 
a band like Pink Floyd uh, or Magma or Gong and Tangerine Dream, these bands who make soundtracks and then also make their own records. You know, they go on tour for for both. You know, they do both. And uh, one thing, at least for us, is you know a lot of bands go from cult metal or extreme metal into alternative music or uh, electronic music, techno, whatever. Bands like Over Sun, Opeth, they bridge this metal and art thing. <laughs> and we just want to be like kind of the death metal version of what that merger could be. Because, you know, Sun and Doom, Over and Black Metal, um, Opeth and Progressive Metal. And we just want to be the cult, crazy, psychedelic space death metal version of that. And uh, mix that at the same time. Like if we, if we don't see why a band can't do both. Only people who think that a band can't do both are media moguls and uh, <laughs> consumers who are like wait a minute every band i've ever seen do something weird is bad and it's like okay sure but we love to be a band that people say can't do something and we do it better than they thought we could so yeah they saying that since our demo they said star spawn couldn't top the demo they said the hidden history couldn't top star spawn and now they're saying the time wave is going to derail our band and it's like just you wait brother <laughs> well i like i i personally love watching watching bands progress you mentioned opeth opeth is my favorite band of all time. I love everything they do. Not, not right away, not without hearing it, but, but, uh, but I, but I have loved everything they've done. Um, I don't care what they're doing. I just, I like watching a band progress naturally and, and, and they're a great example of that. And that's, that's what I, one of the things I find so interesting about what you guys are doing and specifically this record, I know obviously it's going to be polarizing for some people, but like we mentioned several times, other people are on board without even hearing it. Um, Time wave, time wave zero. Does the zero mean anything? Does that mean there's time wave one in the future? Actually, so time wave zero is a Terrence McKenna concept. That okay. In the nineties, he had a computer program that was discovering um, repeated instances of what he termed novelty in nature. And so this time wave zero represents the zero point or the end point. Uh, you know, the event horizon kind of thing of this merger of these timelines in which novelty increases in both frequency and intensity. So if you were to think of it like a spiral, like a DNA helix, mm -hmm. and then if you looked at the spiral from above, right, and you're seeing it, let's say there's a little dot right here of some crazy moment, momentous event in uh, biological evolution, let's say consciousness, and um, uh, sentient consciousness, self-awareness, uh, which was a catalyst, whether he says the stoned ape theory, you know, you got Australopithecus eating mushrooms out in the prairies and then enhancing their hunting skills and gradually communicating with non-visual cues because, you know, maybe they're tripping and they're all on a mutual thing. But basically that an event like that he terms as novelty, you know, it's a catalyst in evolutionary development. And so as you're looking at this spiral, which is increasing in speed, heat, you know, kind of the opposite of the Big Bang, it's concentrating even further down into this zero endpoint which he calls the uh, transcendental object at the end of time as we approach this. And uh, Time Wave Zero was the name of his computer program, which mapped out the increasing overlapping free instances of novelty in evolution, which were terminating in like a telescoping nature that you could see. And the, the name is, you know, in the sense, as we use it, merely evocative. Actually, all the song titles for Hidden History are also named after books. And so... We've, we've sampled Terrence McKenna on all of our records. It's like, it's just part of the thing, but it doesn't, you know, we're not trying to say, cause his program says that the world's going to end in 2012 and all this stuff is going yada, yada. So we're not espousing it to be a literal translation of this uh, concept. 
or idea. We just <laughs> like the concept and the idea, and we just want to posit, you know, to people. We like to give people. Uh, there's a book listed in the hidden history. Like I said, the song titles are named after books. We're just trying to spark the mind of the listener to give them a little bit of a curious impetus to be like, let's find out, you know, what does that yeah. mean? What is that? What is this? What, what am I doing here? Who am I? What is consciousness? What is space? What is inner space? What is outer space? Who are you? What are we? What's going on down here on planet earth? And we're probably the only people who do not actually tell people who, why, or what to believe. We're merely asking. We're just putting this information in a, in a book, in a, in, a, in a booklet, in a record layout, in a lyric, in a musical context, in a sample. We're just putting it out there and being like, check it out. Think about it and uh, do some research. Find out on your own. Let us know if you want. Write us a letter. Send us a message, whatever you're doing. You know, a lot of people, um, especially after Hidden History, but even before, just because there's a lot of lyrical references, like we'll name our solos. And on Starspawn, a lot of the solo titles were from books and a lot of Terrence McKenna stuff. And they're even more explicit and uh, niche on hidden history solos. And so it's just kind of setting this environment out for people. It's like a library of information. We're not saying this is the truth. This is the way we're saying, Hey, just wonder about this. What, what do you think about this? You know what I mean? Well, also sample Terrence McKenna in the past in a uh, ambient setup music that we have for uh, when we play live. There's actually two different tracks and it's uh, the B side to the CD version of life. Putrification. And the cassette. And initially, when we did the cassette first, because the, the live vitrification cassette, the B-side is the ambient track, which is uh, what we were using as the setup music on that tour, which we recorded the live tracks from. And then the vinyl is an etched B-side. And the vinyl was always the, uh, the goal. The, the tape was more like, a, we can do this sooner because it's cheaper and we can kind of leverage that slingshot style into the funding for the LP and we were doing them both at the same time but the tape came out first because of the manufacturing process and we got so many compliments about what is this untitled track on the back like people put it on YouTube people would write like, what is this it's so crazy and they were kind of disappointed that it wasn't on the LP even though the LP was the initial concept and then on the tape it was just kind of a cool little thing we did so then we put it on the CD later when we put out the CD two years later and uh People, people love it. They're like, this is cool. I wish you guys would do uh, more stuff like Meticulous Soul Devourment on Star Spawn or um, the Mirror of the Soul outro on Hidden History like we, or Inner Paths on Hidden History. Like we have that progressive experimental slant already. And people were, people were down four or five years ago. Even. So, like you said, the people who are down now are really down. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're, and that's great. And I, one of the things that I truly appreciate about what you guys are doing is what you're talking about is how there's uh, a lot of thought and insight behind your band, your lyrics, the content you're putting out there where things in death metal can, I mean, just like any other genre of music, there can be the, the really simple, basic shit that we're all used to. And, you know, most cases love, but it's, yeah. it can be a little tiring nothing and boring. Being catchy and simple. That's like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. We just right. like to do the crazy stuff because we're I mean, I mean, we went on tour, you know, for multiple weeks with Cannibal Corpse, and it was awesome yeah. to watch them every night. They're a killer band, um, but we're a different type of band. We're not we're not gonna write lyrics about you know violent acts against women or what you know whatever it is. We're we're gonna write about stuff that we care about, which is stuff you know, that we know you know we write stuff we that write we know, about yeah. tripping stuff about philosophy, mystical out of body experiences, you know. 
we've experienced that. We, you know, I, I would challenge these people who are like, I killed this guy. Let me just eviscerate you. Just about, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you have brother. Yeah. I'm sure right. You have, you know? Make sure your mom brings the hot Cheetos down later. You know? <laughs> but, uh, just right that, that has its yeah, place in society. Like, it is important for people to experience that kind of visceral emotion without actually doing those acts. Sure. Art is an escape. You know, they just want, they want to have a, a, a fantasy environment. That's totally cool. People, I like horror movies. I like sci-fi movies. It's totally fine. But a lot of times, and especially death metal, this machismo type of, uh, they latch on to that a little too heavily, in our opinion. And so we try, to, we try to just present a different outlet for people to experience extreme, brutal music with a little more introspective or emotional subtext that, if you want to explore, unfolds like an infinite fractal. But if you're totally fine just being pummeled by some brutal riffs, we got those two. Don't worry about that. Right, right. Trust me, as a guy who came up predominantly in the hardcore scene, I know all about the stupid, <laughs> the brutal, yeah. the, you know, the, the a mix of those two specifically right now in the last like four or five years. Yeah, and, and yeah. There's a lot of that influence and that that tough guy stuff. None of us, none of us are tough guys. You can see us right here, man. We're all just chilling <laughs> with this normal ass dudes. We're hey, looks can be deceiving. I don't know. You guys could be yeah, killers for all yeah. I know. Psychopath. Watch out for him. <laughs> Well, the uh, the two this I I think it's a bonus. There's a 27 minute bonus track that I I don't think I've heard. What what is that called? Because I wrote it down, but I have a typo. So it's good that you have not heard it yet. Uh, Okay. Just because it's you know they're advertising it on a lot of on a little too many formats is for for me. I it should be a treat. You know, it's not available on any other format besides the uh, the two CD limited. uh, limited digital pack it's, it's not going to be on streaming um i'm sure someone will put it on youtube but right. uh, in the likelihood sony will take it down and uh, <laughs> so it's just there because in the true 70s prog um tradition you know almost all the greatest crowd rock records were improvised in the studio and then put together by master producers like connie plank and stuff and uh, peter bauman and we just did that man we recorded the album as we did which was written and arranged as a group recorded live as a group and then uh, we'd actually intended to do something similar during Hidden History three years ago, and we actually had a totally separate reel of tape that, that Isaac brought that we were like, all right, we'll do the album, and then we'll do this improv kind of crowd track or whatever. Didn't end up having enough time, didn't really fit the uh, circumstances at the time, and we just kept it, and we're like, okay, well, when we do the ambient record, let's just you know eat some psychedelics and then let it roll, and then we'll mutate it in post and uh, do it all analog on the board, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what uh, chronophagia is. Is uh, it's the truest Kraut Prague experimental electronic track. Nice, nice. Well, that's cool. I, I like the uh, I like that you have it on that one format too. I don't know. I I, I, I really like. Yeah. yeah, I I really enjoy the the way you guys present your art. Um, it's just it's just so different from everybody else, and you know that I know that, yeah, but it's that's all we're trying to do. I really appreciate that. I do I do most yeah, of the yeah. and uh, stuff like that, and I really appreciate when people take notice of the extra thought that is put into just the little tiny things like that. You know, a lot of people don't, and so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it just goes back to like you know the way that we operate as a band is we just want to see more of the things that we like. You know, like when when we get a record. You know, it's it's a lot cooler when it has other stuff in it, you know, um, and it's like a whole tactile experience that you get to, like, involve yourself in because, you know, going back to, like, kind of like wh- what you said about us being doing things differently. It's like that's just partly because we 
are maybe a little bit maybe dissatisfied or bored with just like the way digital media has kind of robbed us of this like physical right. interaction with with music and all that stuff and it's like we can sometimes think about uh, an album more like it's like a movie you know like people don't I mean, I know I'm, people still do it, but people don't just sit down and listen to a record as much as maybe they did back, you know, in the seventies, but like having the physical item allows people to engage with it more that way. And so, yeah, to Paul's credit, he creates a, an amazing avenue for us to, to share that art with, with the, uh, the consumer and, you know, it's materialistic, but that's part of what our universe is uh, beyond just the materialism of having a nice record layout. It's scientific fact that you will retain information more if you physically write it with like a pen or a pencil than if sure. you type it and read it as text. It's the exact same with records, man. You, a record will have more of an impact on you. You will retain more about what you like or don't like about a record physically sitting and listening and observing, reading along with the lyrics, taking in the aesthetic and the layout and that depth of impact which like isaac said was the the standard in the 70s you could not listen to music without you know you could listen to the hits and singles but you could not listen to albums uh without sitting down getting in front of you and taking it all in looking at the album cover nice big detailed artwork on an lp size format you know booklets posters lyrics all that stuff and every little step of the of the bi layouts is is there to enhance that whether it's the solo names um certain tiny things like on the hidden history matrix label it doesn't say 33 and a third revolutions per minute it says 33 and a third reincarnations per minute but in a very small font yeah so you have to pay attention to notice these things and the people who do they really get a kick out of it but then people who just you know they stream it or they spotify it or youtube whatever they're doing they're like here's my opinion about your band's music and i'm just like okay i don't really care. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about man yeah uh, you know when we did hidden history with century i actually uh I had to send a pretty passionate email to the PR team because they were sending out the promo without the lyrics. And I was adamant that they had to do this. And the lyrics also specified the solo titles, which further enhanced the concepts. It's just a whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, please, you cannot be doing this. You know, like it's bad enough that this person can just put it on and, uh, you know, get an oil change or whatever they listen to it at the gym, whatever. It's like, I want people to at least have to read something along with it to try to get that, neurons firing and get that tactile remembrance of what this concept or idea has to be and so with time wave it's actually the opposite because we don't have any lyrics but it works towards the concept because the it's so sparse that it allows there's a lot of visuals uh in the music a lot of visual cues and the album cover uh we think is perfectly representative of the concept of the music contained inside and it's totally canon with the uh, our previously released stuff <laughs> and because of uh, this minimalist lyrical influence because it's very short song titles just io and ia you know we usually have crazy song titles that are really descriptive solo titles all this really stuff and then we draw all that back get this really evocative music really visual landscape on the album cover and uh, allows the, the listener uh, experience their own expansive type of uh, exploration of the of the concept of the music and whatnot and so it's kind of you know we say it's a palate cleanser for us as well as the people listening because after a record like hidden history uh it was just firing on all cylinders 24 7 except for one instrumental track um and a 90 minute interlude you know right it's so intense and just you know so much stimulus that we wanted to be like okay now 
take away all of that and retain the essence of that atmosphere and then tell us what you think about that. You know what I mean? So it's all the same sonic uh, tonal qualities, all the same textures. Actually, on Time Wave Zero, there are no instruments that we did not already record on our other records. There's no sonic palette that did not previously exist within the blood incantation sound as our recorded works. So you only took stuff away, basically. That's right. We only took away the metal, but we, re- we retained the cosmic atmosphere and the essence. And because, you know, as amazing as metal is in guitar, you know, we don't play microtonal guitars. We don't play the crazy, uh, uh, what are those, fan frets and all this insane technical music. We, we play the same, you know, six strings, four strings, uh, 24 frets, just very standard, very basic. And uh, there's a finite number of chords you can make. But with electronic music, the reason that it took over the world and changed history in the 70s is because it's truly infinite. The textures and the sonic palettes that you can create with electronic music uh, are not synthetic. They're infinite. You know, People mis- uh, misconstrue synthesis or like synthesizers as being a synthetic form of thing, but it's actually um, referring to a physiological electromagnetic synthesis of the electrical current coming out of the wall, being modulated in real time by the consciousness of the performer on the knobs, opening, closing the filters, doing the gates, all this stuff. You're physically changing electrical current. And the sound that comes out, which you hear out of a synthesizer, um, is infinite. You know, you're taking, it's like some Nikola Tesla shit, man. You can, you can take the, the current coming out of your wall and make an infinite array of sounds. Whereas with the guitar, you can only make about, you know, 600 genres and 2 million records. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, well, th- what is the, what is the plan as far as uh, the Time Wave Zero material? Is this stuff that you plan to take and play live? I've I've seen or read I forget where about playing planetariums. What's yep. what's the idea here? And and are, is there ever a, is there ever a point where you plan to mix the death metal with the Time Wave material? Absolutely. Um, in the short term, our album release show is February twenty sixth here in Denver at the Gothic Theater. We will perform the album live in uh, its entirety, just like we recorded it, you know, which is in full takes as a group on tape. So if somebody made a mistake, you had to start over, reset everything, and then clear your head and do the whole whole 21-minute song again. And uh, that's also how we do our death metal records, which is why they have that kind of live synergy in them, because you are listening to four people playing it in real time with uh, minimal overdubs. You know, you'll punch in vocals, guitar solos, and some synthesizers. Um, but on TimeWave, there's even less punch-ins and, and overdubs than there are on our death metal records, which are still 90% live. Mm. So we'll play it live uh, to show people we can. We would play in a planetarium. We would, uh, we're trying to do that here in Denver, but because of the Rona, the capacity of these places is limited, and they're already kind of small right. events, you know, a couple hundred people, 200 people. And so running a, a limited capacity event at a half capacity is a little counterintuitive. We're really trying to, you know, we, we just want to do, you know, Klaus Schultz, I think, was the first person to perform in a planetarium in Britain, and Tangerine Dream was the first band to do it in, uh, first rock band to do it in Germany. And uh, we just think that's so awesome and part of the concept. Like, who wouldn't want to see a planetarium show of this crazy cosmic space music? And uh, at least in the 70s, uh, places like Plan- um cathedrals and planetariums and art galleries that was totally where those rock bands could play because the regular bar and grills wouldn't let them play because they're not playing beatles covers you know what i mean not playing stones covers so they had to make like places like the zodiac free arts lab in berlin which was the birthplace of so many legendary crowd bands 
in these free spaces where like a band like Amon Yule, they lived on a commune, you know, they jammed for days. Faust lived on a, on a, on a farm, you know, Tangerine Dream made their own studio. And actually, uh, Tangerine Dream was banned by the Pope uh, in the 70s for playing a concert in a cathedral in France. It was, uh, you know, you know, it could fit a couple hundred people in the church, right? But something like 6,000 people came to this free event. And by all accounts, we're, we're very respectful. You know, they're smoking dope, they're drinking their wine, there's lots of candles and whatnot, but it was sacrilegious to the point of being banned. Permanently rock music was banned from being performed at cathedrals by the Pope until it was repealed like 30 years later. And I just want to ask all the goat metal people, war metal people, bestial superior on, you know, discord, incel people. Have you been banned by the Pope? <laughs> I don't think you're as hardcore as Tangerine Dream was in the 70s. That's all I'm saying. And so, you know, we want to play in atypical places like that. We want to play in art galleries, museums, similar to like the uh, how Sun or Oliver would play in a, in a gallery or museum or a observatory or outdoor amphitheater. These, you know, places that a, a regular, you know, meat and potatoes death metal band would have no interest in playing. We want right. to prioritize playing in places like that because we're not playing meat and potatoes death metal, even when we are playing death metal. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's just yet another reason why you guys are such an exciting band and captivating so many different people. And the way that this record is going to be able to transcend, like you said, to other genres, listeners um, should only expand that. Um, I think that's about all I have for you. But I should. Well, while I got all four of you, I should ask you, how do you guys think I can uh, convince my my mom to do mushrooms? Well, well, there's lots of healing qualities in that. There are. I think generally, I would assume you're, you're, you're what, 30s, 40s? Mom, mom 37. 37? Nice. She's freshly retired. So, so same, you know, our parents That's are about perfect environment. Then. And yeah, a lot of them are just, you know, they were raised on the, on the green scare, you know, the McCarthy yeah. style, uh, anti-weed, you know, communist terrorism type of tactics. And uh, so now that weed is legal, a lot of parent people, our parents' age, are like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll try the gummy because it's it's legal now, and I yeah. don't leave the house, and I can get it at an Apple store or whatever. And uh, in the same sense, people are doing psychedelic mushroom therapy, MDMA therapy right now, and so people are beginning to mainstream document the the healing potential of a lot of these types of things and i honestly think it's only a matter of time until people our parents age are like wait a minute i i can do the mushrooms and not jump off a building and worship <laughs> satan doing crack killing people and it's like yeah they, they lied to you man. you know like yeah. no offense if you were going to do that on the lsd you know like the cia would make people do that you were going to do that anyway because you were being you know, psychologically <laughs> damaged by the government so you know they there was a huge scare tactic campaign against people our parents age, and still today you know but it is every day every uh what is it like vermont new york oregon uh a lot of people are decriminalizing mushrooms uh, and psychedelics in general uh because they're non-addictive and they have potential healing qualities and it's just uh, like i said a matter of time get your mom in a safe spot you know you're set and setting got to be a good trip setter and just have a make a mushroom tea and you know go on a walk with the dogs and a nice lake get a blanket whatever you know enjoy enjoy nature you know you don't have to it, it, it's all out of you have a bad trip you kind of go into it that way sometimes you know it can also be really uh useful to go into it with you know the micro dosing yeah uh, especially for people who are not as familiar with it, it, it has very good antidepressive, you know, very um, illuminating effects in small doses that can be beneficial to anybody. 
it's so. effective increasing creative capacity uh or not capacity but your your fortitude towards it you know your confidence in, in being experimental when we microdose all the time at practice and uh, we'll even do it sometimes on tour at shows and uh it's just we were like that before we met mbi so it's just kind of natural that that comes out in in blood incantations music but uh you know, a, a substance doesn't have to be legalized for people to get medicinal benefit from it. There's right. also other mushrooms that aren't psychedelic that have tons of healing properties. It's a whole thing. Mycelium is one of the most fascinating organisms on the planet. It, and uh, little by little, society gets strips away this puritanical 50s style, you know, uh, just Christian McCarthy, pro-government, fucking shoot first, ask questions later, America's the best mentality. And little by little, people open their brains up to the transcendental reality or dare i say awakening from the dream of existence to the multi-dimensional nature of our reality but there's also a there's a specifically for your mom i would say there's a great documentary called fantastic fungi and it follows paul stamets and all his research concerning mushrooms not just psychedelic ones yeah. and it's really eye-opening he goes around the country giving talks about all sorts of healing properties and i think that that is a is a great segue into microdosing and maybe opening up that that dialogue it's everywhere man and you know there's books for 40 years now talking about how christianity is a mushroom cult and how these shamanistic uh depictions of uh or these depictions of these shamanistic trances where they have mushrooms growing off of them where the people look like a mushrooms they have mushrooms in the pupils and these cave paintings you know human jesus is a mushroom yeah jesus is a mushroom people have been tripping and on mushrooms and psychedelics burgit root and 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 you know psilocybin and stuff for tens of thousands of years making art and religious and philosophical political impact on the common society the entire time so it's kind of like when does your mom want to find out what these people have been talking about that made all these religions and institutions people depend upon in regular society ten thousand years later I got to bring her into this conversation. I'm never going to be able to remember bring all in, this. But, no, okay. <laughs> we would love to talk to your mom about doing psychedelics. And listen to I'm going to let her know. I don't do a follow-up podcast. Yeah, we'll do the follow-up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it sounds great. Hey, all right, guys. Well, um, one last time for the record, Time Wave Zero, Century Media Records worldwide, right? And uh, release date, February 25th. I guess that's it. Anything else you want to add? It's going to be a trip. Hope you enjoy.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with the fellas in Blood Incantation. And of course, we talked all about Time Wave Zero, and you heard zero tracks from that because that's a little bit hard to include on a podcast. So I just played you there, Slave Species of the Gods from Hidden History of the Human Race, which is their second album that came out on Dark Descent Records a couple years ago. Decibel's album of the year that year, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that's what it was. Um, you can still get that on Dark Descent Records. And uh, there is a official Blood Incantation store. I'll link you to that in the bottom of the show. But uh, again, thanks to the fellas for the chat. Uh, check out Time Wave Zero on Century Media Records, February 25th. A little different than everything you've heard from them before. Uh, but you should be well up to speed by now. I thought they were pretty thorough in their explanation, and I think it'd be hard to argue otherwise. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to my mom to do mushrooms. Uh, spoiler, 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 I can't say it. Spoiler, spoil, here, let's try this one more time. Spoiler, I don't know, never mind, I'm not doing it. I'm not saying, I'm not going to try to say the word again. What I was trying to say is, th- oh man, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to say, spoiler, alert i've never done mushrooms either there you go why is that so hard to say spoiler i'm overthinking the word huh interesting this is the best way to end this podcast on uh me fumbling over a word stumbling over a word not fumbling over a word you don't fumble over words you stumble over words you fumble things you drop stuff you have butter fingers let's me just see talking's been a problem now for about a couple seconds here and it's it's kind of getting amusing at least to me hopefully to you too i don't really care um god damn it let's end this with a song from a band who sent their stuff to me by emailing me dan at gettingitout.net which i always appreciate and when you do that you're almost guaranteed to have a track played on getting it out podcast this is from a band who's not called apartment 213 though that's what first comes to my mind they are Asylum 213. The song is called Chudiapa. It's from the record Not Homeless, Just Hopeless. They are an experimental rock quartet, and they're based out of Richmond, Virginia. Check it out. I'll, of course, have their links in the show notes. But thank you for listening. Bye bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.